Got it. Okay, so Mark, here we are again with our friend and colleague, Mike Figliolo, and we're going to talk about negotiations today, which mm. is an incredible, really interesting topic. When I think about negotiations, it's everything from negotiating with my children to negotiating at the C-suite. I mean, it really happens, mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. in between, right? Feels like so, it, feels like it, yeah. <laughs> I know, I think we're gonna learn a lot here um, and I'm, I'm very excited to welcome you back. Mike, thank you for uh, being part of our podcast and for being here with me and Mark. Yeah, great to be here, thanks very much. And negotiating with children is like negotiating with terrorists, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I'd rather negotiate with a Fortune 1000 CFO than with one of my kids, because they always win. They have different rules of engagement, don't they? They, they don't do. follow the same they, logic. What is that? Quite fair at all. They don't fight fair. <laughs> no. Okay. That's really interesting because they'll bring up something that happened three years ago. Mom, but don't you remember when you? And I'm like, uh, yeah, how do they do They're that? like little lawyers. Yeah. They are like little lawyers. It's too much social media. <laughs> I say cut out the social media. Anyway, so let's just let's get into the heart of it. What we do know is that for a lot of people, negotiating is a real hard thing to do, right? They just don't want to do it. They avoid it, right? They're not sure how to really approach it. I mean, what would you say for, for people that just really don't want to do it? I mean, gosh, I've got people that have said they're a little embarrassed. They're, they just like aren't quite sure how to approach the whole thing. What would you say would be the first, first way to get going on that? Yeah, it's, it's really preparing. It's doing that homework up front and understanding what are your must-haves, your want-to-haves, your nice-to-haves, what are, what are there, the, your negotiating partners, must-haves, want-to-haves, nice-to-haves. And, and in a lot, of a lot of cases, you're taking a guess. Then starting to play out the scenarios and saying, okay, if they do this, how would I counter? If they do this, how would I counter? How can I move them off of this position? If you're and the reason people are nervous is they don't know where it's going to go. They're walking into a situation. They're saying, I don't know what's going to happen here. If you do the prep and you know what's important to them, you know what's important to you, you know what concessions you can make, you know which direction it's going to go. And you're, you're prepared in that moment to take appropriate action. So it's, it's really the prep that makes for successful negotiations. Yeah, I think there's a psychological thing here too, as as you mentioned, because I mean, I know people that would rather just pay whatever somebody asks or pay full price rather than to say, hey, well, here's what True. I think it's worth. They just won't do it. They're just like, well, that's what they want, you know. And 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 so there's a whole psychology of I I I don't like to do this. I mean, think about if you take an extreme, think about why we now buy cars online versus going to the dealer, right? Mm. We're in an uncomfortable position. We feel like we're at a disadvantage. We're not as prepared as that dealer is. And, and it's, we just don't like it, right? So yeah. we'd rather do anything else. Hmm. Well, and, that, and that's where prep comes in, being able to yep. walk into that dealer and say, hey, I've done my homework. I know here are the other 12 vehicles in the market that are available that I can have shipped to my house. Here are the prices. Here's the mileage. I know your vehicle. And like, here's my price. Here's what I'm willing to do. Oh, you're not willing to do that? Buy, right? And and just being able to have those options. You know, I just bought a new car, I don't know, six months ago, nine months ago. And I, I did that like three times. I'm like, that's your price. We're done. What? We're done. We're done. I have the numbers. We're done. Right. And you've got to do that prep. 
Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a car story. I'm actually a master of car buying. If there's one thing I can negotiate while it's the car, because I do the homework, I walk in and then I bring, I bring like, you know, support, right? Because the support is behind me saying this, the reinforcement. I walk in, I say, here's the value of my car. Here's all I want for it. I'm always very fair. Here's what I want to buy. I have my calculator too, believe it or not. I've run all the numbers and then the reinforcement says, and, and I say, if you go in the back room once, I'm leaving and I won't be back. It's true. Cause you know how they go in the back room and they yep. do all this magic stuff. Uh, and know. so they have well, back there. I, <laughs> I know, right. It's not really what's <laughs> happening. So it's that intimidation piece and I'm with you. And I think it came from being frustrated at going through that experience, which is why I changed the tactic. So I, I think everything can be said for for that, for that preparation. And I'll tell you the last two vehicles I bought, there was never any in the back room. Everything was done there. And it was, it was pretty neat, you know, like it was just tied with a bow and, and done. We, uh, we, we worked with a major, uh, retailer of, of we'll say home furniture items uh -huh. like that. And they said, yeah, you know, the, the biggest sale we have each year is the 4th of July sale. And, and we're literally throwing furniture out the door. We're selling it so fast. And they said, they always have this much negotiation room. And whenever they pick up the phone to talk to the manager, there's nobody on the other end of the line. <laughs> and so I went and I did it. And sure enough, they picked up the phone, went through the whole process. That, As I mentioned, that's a negotiating technique called yeah. the invisible man, right? The invisible man, the invisible woman. And it's, oh, hmm. hey, I got to talk to my partners. Oh, you know what? I got to check on that. And, and all it is, is it allows you to continue to be the good guy or the good gal in the conversation. And it's, oh, well, you know, I would love to, Mark, give you this deal, but my boss won't let me. And then you and I can maintain the relationship and we can continue negotiating in good faith. And you're just going to be angry at my boss. And by the way, you can't push back on my boss because they're not in the room. Right. right? right. So if you don't like yeah. the position that that individual has taken, it hardens that stance by not making them accessible. Yeah. I, and, and so that's a great principle, Mike. So invisible man, invisible woman. Uh, I, I've heard it as you never talk about I, you talk about we. So there's more than me. It's an organization. It's not just me. I would love to. Good cop, bad cop kind of thing. So yep, how, do you, how do you know that you're in a negotiation? And that, that sounds like kind of an abstract question, but um, it, it, is it, is it, is it, do both parties have to acknowledge that they're actually negotiating or could one, if they've done their homework, be negotiating, the other one doesn't even realize it. So I'll make it easy. You're always negotiating. Every interaction you are having with any other party where value gets exchanged, mm -hmm. you are in a negotiation. And, and what you have to understand is the term and the duration of that negotiation. So every interaction that I have with one of my clients is a negotiation. Now, I may not be negotiating for something specific in that moment, but it's part of a negotiating cycle, right? Where maybe I'm gathering information and I'm trying to understand when's their fiscal year? How do they do budgeting? Um, you know, how are their financials going this year? Are they in a strong position? And, and I'm negotiating, but all I'm doing is gathering input there because I can use that later on. And by not recognizing you're in a negotiation, somebody may say, oh yeah, our fiscal ends in October and yeah, we have this use-lose thing at the end of the year where if we don't burn it, then, you know, we have to use next year. Well, guess who's going to be placing a call on September 1st? Because I know you got use-lose dollars that you got to spend before the end of the year. 
And I learned that six months ago in our negotiation, you are always negotiating. And if you look at it from that lens and understand how each interaction you're having factors into that broader negotiation, you're, you're doing your prep work, right? I mean, look, the, the three of us are negotiating. I've been negotiating yeah. with you folks for like how long? A, a couple of years now, right? Mm -hmm. And every single conversation is a negotiation because as you're talking to me in prep for the podcast and saying, oh, you know what? Some of our associates have these challenges and they got to build these skills. Guess what? I'm gathering data and saying down the road when there's a new training offering that comes out that focuses on I'm those coming at you, right. skills. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, Michelle. Remember when we talked about this? You're always negotiating. You're always doing that prep. But fortunately, Mike, we've learned so much from you in the in in that period that we don't need the help anymore, right? Yeah. Tim <laughs> trying to negotiate back. <laughs> so I'm actually going to tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that whole just tell them enough and hold back some. All right. So we talked about, and by the way, I'm just going to enlighten you. 24-7, I'm negotiating with you right here in my head, just so you know. Oh, Mark. I knew that. Just so you know. Okay, so let's let's um discuss this. All right. What we talked about is some people have discomfort. What I've seen also is some people are like a freaking bull in a China shop. They don't know how to negotiate and they're, you know, just um, bumbling it up, either being like really, really pushy, bossy, if you will, right, right. not even negotiating. They don't have the tact. So let's take us through like a little 101, right? What are some of the fundamentals of a good negotiator, like how they present, what it is outside of doing the prep work. What does it take? Yeah, a few principles. One, I like to define a good negotiation outcome as one where everybody walks away from the table mildly dissatisfied, right? Because if you walk away and you're a little bit frustrated, but we got a deal done and I walk away and I'm a little bit frustrated, but we got a deal done, that's a good deal. Because I got a lot of what I needed, you got a lot of what you needed, but we both made concessions along the way and we feel it's fair. So I think first having that mindset and saying, you're not going to get everything you want, but you also don't have to give them everything they want. So that definition of success. Um, you know, I think the second is there is no one successful negotiating stance. It, it's what works for you and what works situationally. Um, I've heard of one guy who's a master negotiator and he walks in the room and his hair's disheveled and his tie is undone and he's got like stains on his jacket and you immediately dismiss this guy, right? You're like, oh, he's totally unprofessional. I mean, coming in here to negotiate against me and my suit, and, right? And he annihilates people because they underestimate him. So there, there is no one successful technique because it's all, it can also be a successful technique technique to come in and project that power. And I know I'm going to intimidate and I'm going to get what I want and I'm willing to burn a relationship because the relationship doesn't have that much value long-term. So I, I think when you contextualize this stuff, it helps you choose that right stance. The problem is when you have one stance and you use it in all situations, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not entirely appropriate there. I, I had a procurement guy one time where I already had the deal done with the primary client on quote unquote, the business side. And she and I had agreed on a number in terms. And then the procurement guy gets involved. And at one point he literally hung up on me. We were talking about price. And I said, I've already negotiated. So all of a sudden I hear click. I'm like, okay, um, that's interesting. So I called him back. I was like, hey, sorry, Don. I, I think we got disconnected. He said, no, I hung up on you. I said, what? 
said, yeah, I didn't like what you were saying, so I hung up. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, I hung up. I was like, okay. So we continue the conversation, and I told him, look, this is the rate. I've already agreed to it. If you want to call my primary client, go ahead and give her a call. And I mentioned her name, and he's, where I said, if you want to call, let's say, Susan, go ahead and give her a call. He's like, oh, I'll call Susan, and then he mispronounces her last name. And that told me, you don't know who Susan is, and you're in trouble. And I said, Don, go ahead and call her. He called me back five minutes later, and he said, so do you want me to uh, email a PDF to sign, or do you want me to fax the contract? I was like, yeah, because he didn't do his homework, and he didn't have situational awareness, and he had one technique, which is hang up on suppliers and beat them up. And, and he didn't appreciate this was a different context where he needed to take a different tack. So, so take that procurement point a little bit further, because I think that, that's a great story, Mike. Um, but we all run into that. Everybody runs into that. You've got your client, then you're at procurement. And procurement, it seems to me, has the objective of you know, winning monetarily, right? So yeah. what, is it, what does it mean to understand what they're looking for? Because it seems like they need to show that they won, that they got something out of it to be effective. Or can, it, can you come away you know, unscathed through procurement in some way without giving them a win? Um, it's easier to give them a win. Look, that, that's how they get measured. That's what their incentives are on is right. like, how much money did you save? And, and they don't care about the relationship with the supplier. That's for, quote unquote, their business partners to manage. So that comes into the prep. And if you sit there and you say, all right, I'm negotiating with a Fortune 1000, they're probably going to send me to procurement. Procurement's going to, you know, their, their business results have been pretty tough this year. I know they're looking for cost savings. I need to factor that into my initial proposal. I need to bump it by 5% in an initial proposal. So I've got the concession that I can give when I get to procurement. Procurement runs away saying, we won, we won. It's like, mm-hmm, yep, you did, right? And, you know, I got what I want. If you're not doing that prep and understanding that that's part of the deal and part of the game, right, then then you're going to give up more than you wanted. I, I think mm-hmm. the second thing is knowing those must-haves, want-to-haves, nice-to-haves. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't always need a concession on price, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and understanding the business, understanding your business is incredibly critical here. So a technique that you can use... It, they always want volume discounts. Like, oh, well, if we're going to do X dollars with you, we want a discount. I'm like, okay, great. And we're writing that into the contract. You're committing to it. If you don't commit to it, there's a penalty. They're like, what? I'm like, well, you said you want to do volume. So we're going to lock volume in because I'm not just going to give you a discount without having volume in there. And then they may walk back from that or they'll commit to it. Good outcome. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, is understanding how your customer buys from you and I may be much more willing to give a discount on massive amounts of volume that I know they're never going to hit, right? Mm -hmm. I I just know they will not do this level of volume. So yeah, sure. I'll give you 30% on the top end. Procurement walks away going, woo, we saved so much money. It's like, no, you didn't because they're not going to spend that. And it doesn't matter, right? So it's understanding your pricing, understanding your business model, and you can give procurement that win without necessarily taking taking it out of your pocket, right? Now, all my procurement buddies who are listening to this are like, Oh, we know how Mike negotiates. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Right. And, and you can come at me 27 different ways. And I know different ways to get there. I'm not saying I always, you know, win and quote unquote win in those agreements. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't. And I've made concessions over the years, but they're the right concessions. And I understand why they're happening. Well, the one common thing that I'm hearing 
is that you just have to do your homework, know who you're, who you're negotiating with and know what it is you want to walk away with. Those would be the most important things. What must I have versus is nice to have, you know, Mike, I'll tell you what, I had a procurement person. It's interesting. You said it doesn't always have to be money and you're right. Um, what I try to do is understand what's important to the person that I'm negotiating with that I'm, that is buying from me, whatever the case may be. And I was talking to someone in a procurement for a Fortune 1000 company, actually. And what was important to that person was hearing this person's point of view on the procurement process via a blog, right? So, and this particular person said, everyone hates procurement because they don't understand procurement. They don't understand what our role is. Here's what my perspective is. And he even talked about how procurement gets it wrong. So what did I do? I offered him an opportunity to blog it, to podcast it. And, you know, we'd hear that point of view. So just understanding what it is that they need to be and to feel successful doesn't necessarily have to be what you believe it is. If you do that upfront discovery, you'll understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mike, we, we, yes. we had talked about this, uh, you know, I love frameworks. You're, you're a former consultant as well. So love frameworks. You talked about this idea of the value of the relationship versus the value of what you're negotiating for and the different positions you can get in. And to me, this, you know, had kind of that prisoner's dilemma feel to it or, or whatever, but can you talk about a little bit about that? Just how you think about that, those two relative points of value? Yeah. So if you look at the value of relationships and put that on the horizontal axis and then low is on the left, high is on the right. And then the value of what you're negotiating for is the vertical axis. And you end up with a two by two matrix. So in the lower left corner where there's low value of relationship and low value of what you're negotiating for, you split the difference. And, and the example is you're buying a beach towel while you're on vacation and you're buying it from a street vendor, right? They want 10 bucks. You want to pay five, call it 750 and move on with life. Because you're the value of your time is worth more than the two dollars or the fifty cents you're going to get out of it. So just mm -hmm. split the pie. I talk about it in terms of pie, right? Split the pie and move on. Where mm -hmm. it's low value relationship, low value of uh, item you're negotiating for. The lower right is where you serve the pie. So this is high value of relationship, but low value of what you're negotiating for. So for example, some of my big clients payment terms, right? I would love to have net 30 payment. They want to have net 90. Okay, this relationship is super valuable to me. I will make that concession. I will serve them that piece of pie, those extra 60 days that I'll wait for my money in the interest of them continuing to write really, really big purchase orders with me, right? So mm -hmm. it's an investment in the relationship or our e-learning courses. I, I was on with a client last night and she's like, oh, I'm learning scrap planning. And I was like, hey, we have any learning. Why don't I just sign you up? Free. Could I ask her for the 250 bucks for it? Yeah, stupid move. Serve the pie because she may come back later and say, oh, you know what? We'd love to have you come in and do scrap planning for us for a heck of a lot more money. So that's the lower right. The upper left is take the pie. This is where there's low value of the relationship, but very high value of what we're negotiating for. So this is the used car dealer. I am never going to see that person again. I don't care about having a relationship with them. They're not coming over my house on the weekend for a barbecue. I am trying to take every penny off the table I can because that new car is $20,000, $30,000, $40,000, $50,000. And I'm going to fight for a lot of that money. And I don't care if I make them mad. I don't care if I frustrate them. 
because it's more important to me getting the value from that deal. And by the way, they're looking at it the same way. And then the last quadrant, the upper right, high value of relationship, high value of what you're negotiating over are your big enterprise clients, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the clients you've served for five years, 10 years, and, and that's where you try to expand the pot. Uh, so for example, a software vendor, maybe selling software into a Fortune 1000 and they're gonna sell their core module. And they say, well, you know what? I can add on the finance module if you guys will you know, pay to buy it, I can discount it by 40%. So I just made the pie bigger because I'm making a bigger sale, but I gave my client more value because they're getting a module that they wouldn't ordinarily have for a really great discount. And we both mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. So understanding what quadrant you're in is really helpful for your posture. The other thing you got to do though, is understand how your negotiating partner across the table looks at it. Because you may place high value on the relationship and they don't. And you may be in a space where you're trying to serve them pie and they're in a place where they're trying to take pie. And guess what? You end up with zero pie in that mm -hmm. situation. So you mm -hmm. got to look at it through both lenses. Mm -hmm. both yeah, and, and it seems that 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 last point is, is super critical about yeah. putting yourself in the shoes of whoever you're negotiating mm -hmm. with to understand how they view it, what the win is for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. You may look at something as high value, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this contract is for like $30,000 and that's a really big deal for us. And they look and they're like, yeah, I can put that on my corporate card. So I don't really care. And guess what? Yeah. You have a lot more power in that negotiation because it's of low value to them. And they may be willing to serve you pie in that situation or even split the pie because they're like, yeah, I don't have time for this. I got to go negotiate my $10 million deal, $30,000, yeah, whatever. Right. And, and you've got to look at it from both perspectives. Okay. That is a really practical, very good takeaway. Mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. think about it as if I'd summarize it, we had this splitting of the pie and you really got to think about your value of time versus the money, the investment serving the pie based on the level of the relationship where you might want to give more taking the pie where you are going to you're going to take more of it because you don't care about that relationship like the car dealer that you just mentioned and then expanding the pie. So um, uh, let me ask you something, Mike, where can people access this, this uh, two by two? Is it available yeah. for people? So it's, uh, we have an e-learning course on negotiating cover okay. all the concepts in there on our website at thoughtleadersllc.com. Uh, also, folks have LinkedIn Learning. Uh, I've got a course on there. I've actually got I think, a couple courses on there on negotiating as well. Okay, very good. I think that's great. So I guess my last question would be out of this relationship, who's the disheveled one? You or me, Mark? Oh, always me. <laughs> <laughs> By definition. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mike. I think that were, those were some pretty good takeaways and insights on negotiations. And we will see you the next time. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks for having me.